It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The entire house was like an ashtray. Butting out. The move that aims to see all apartments and multi-dwellings in B.C. go smoke-free. You're watching Global B.C. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. I'm Colleen Christie. Sonia is off tonight. A four-year-old girl has been seriously injured in a fall at a trampoline or air park in New Westminster. This latest incident is raising more questions about the safety of these parks in B.C. As Tanya Beja reports, this accident comes after a Victoria man died at the same company's Richmond location earlier this year. Jesse Charbonneau took his daughter Maddie to New Westminster's Extreme Air Park Saturday afternoon when the four-year-old had a bad bounce. I just noticed her like kind of kneeled down and she wasn't getting back up and then she just started like freaking out like she had this really loud scream. Maddie broke her leg and fractured an ankle but her father says staff at the trampoline park had no idea how to help. Basically I got left sitting on a on a steel bench for 25 minutes holding my kid. Charbonneau says he not only performed crowd control but had to tell workers to call 911. There was no room there was no first aid kit there was and like the the staff were just they were too young to even probably handle that sort of situation yeah, like it's bound to be injuries it's trampoline yeah. i mean we all grew up bouncing up on trampolines too but like when you get hurt you have somebody there that can take care of you nobody was there this is not the first time Extreme Air Park has faced scrutiny over its safety record. Last week, a young boy fell through a trampoline at the company's Richmond location. In January, 46-year-old Jay Greenwood went into cardiac arrest and died after a fall. You know, if there's 100-plus kids running around in a big place like that, there should definitely be um, more safety. No manager was on site when we visited the new Westminster location. The company didn't return our call. In the meantime, Maddie is recovering in hospital with two pins in her ankle and will be sporting a cast for her first day of kindergarten. Tanya Beja, Global News. A plea from Richmond RCMP tonight to help find a missing nine-year-old girl. Police believe she's been taken by her mother who does not have custody. Nitu Garcha joins us live with the details. Nitu. Colleen, Richmond RCMP say nine-year-old Amaya Araki McWilliams was last seen at 1 a.m. Sunday. She was allegedly taken, as you mentioned, without permission by her mother, Natalie Araki. We're told Amaya was staying at a Richmond hotel with her father, who has sole custody of her. Police are providing few details about how the girl may have been taken from the hotel overnight. Amaya is described as mixed race, four foot, six inches tall, with black hair. She was last seen wearing a white Canada t-shirt and dark colored shorts. Her mother is also described as mixed race. She is 35 years old, five foot, two inches tall with black hair. The two are believed to possibly be in Vancouver or New Westminster. RCMP say an Amber Alert has not been issued because this situation doesn't meet the criteria. They're now appealing for the public's help in finding the missing girl.
Amaya and Natalie were seen leaving a hotel located at the Vancouver International Airport. Um, they then used uh, a cab and um, went into the Vancouver area in the area around uh, 49th and Boundary. Now, police have said there is no imminent concern for Amaya's safety, but they do, of course, want to find the pair to make sure Amaya is safe and to return her to her father. Anyone with information is urged to contact police or Crime Stoppers. Colleen, back to you. Thanks so much, Neetu. A suspected clandestine drug lab was uncovered in Vancouver this weekend after an apparent fatal drug overdose. First responders were called to the apartment suite on Road Street near East 41st Avenue early yesterday morning when a 35-year-old man was found dead inside. They also discovered signs of a possible drug lab. The VPD executed a search warrant today. RCMP are collecting evidence while dismantling the lab with the help of firefighters. No arrests have been made. Well, just when we thought we had turned a corner, an air quality advisory was reissued today for Metro Vancouver and the central Fraser Valley. Despite cool and damp weather this weekend, smoke from wildfires returned to the region overnight. That means once again, elevated levels of fine particulate matter in the air. Much of B.C. has been under air quality advisories for the past couple of weeks due to hundreds of wildfires. How long it will last this time? Meteorologist Yvonne Schell will have more coming up in her forecast. And it is now officially the second worst wildfire season in B.C. history when it comes to the amount of land scorch, that is. 945,000 hectares have been burned so far this year. Last year remains the worst season with 1.2 million hectares burned. With several more weeks still left in the season, it's possible this year could surpass last year. Just before the start of the school year, Hornby Island's only public elementary school has been seriously damaged by an overnight fire. When fire crews were called out to Hornby Island Community School at around 2.30 this morning, a third of the building was fully engulfed. Fortunately, fire doors protected parts of the school, which has wood framing and siding. 18 firefighters battled the blaze for almost eight hours, with Denman Island fire crews being sent in to help. There is major damage to the front of the school and offices, and smoke damage to the classrooms. The cause is under investigation, but the fire chief says there's no evidence that it's suspicious. Well, it's an issue that still divides our society, those who smoke versus those who don't. Now, a Langley couple is joining the fight to make B.C. more smoke-free. They're launching a petition that calls on the provincial government to make those living in apartments and other multi-unit dwellings to butt out. Grace Key has more. Yeah, so this is obviously the baby room. Three-month-old Faith sleeps in this room because that's where they get the least amount of secondhand smoke. So the worst room would be basically the two bathrooms is always where it starts. Naomi Baker and her husband have sealed up their Langley condo as much as they can to stop a neighbor's marijuana and cigarette smoke from getting into their unit. We've tried to add in extra caulking. I know it doesn't look pretty, but you just sort of do what you can when you're desperate. It gets so bad that my eyes will be watering and my throat is itchy and sore. My husband's eyes will get actually swollen. Um, we have had several nights where we've actually left our apartment. According to physicians for Smoke-Free Canada, research shows that up to 65% of the air in a unit can come from other units in the building. Health Canada has determined that there's no level that can be considered safe. Uh, all of us uh, are at long-term risk 
and some individuals are at greater short-term risk, uh, including pregnant women, babies, uh, those with asthma, or those with pre-existing heart or lung disease. In the U.S., smoking is no longer allowed in public housing units. Saskatchewan made a similar ban in all government-owned housing August 1st. Ideally, the Bakers would like to see a smoking ban in multi-unit dwellings across the country. We want them to change the laws, the strata laws, so that multi-unit dwellings are smoke-free. And really, at this point, we all actually want to go to the, to the federal level, to the constitutional right to, that people have to life. A motion to make the Strata building smoke-free failed by one vote a couple of years ago. Frustrated, the parents have started an online petition. They've also put their condo up for sale to make sure faith grows up in a healthy, smoke-free home. Grace Key, Global News. You can smoke on most golf greens in our province, even have a beer on some. But what about toking marijuana? Well, ahead of legalization this October, the BC Golf Association wants to know what its members think of pot and putting. Kristen Robinson reports on the findings so far. From toking up on the tee box to putting on pot, marijuana legalization this fall could bring green to the green. Doesn't bother me at all. Go ahead if they want to. I'd rather not have somebody smoking weed on the golf course, to be honest. I've been known from time to time to imbibe myself, so, and I'm pretty civil. People's game will be more erratic, and um, it'll be stinky. With October 17th fast approaching, BC Golf is taking a swing at pot policy. After a canvas of clubs across the province found more than 80% are still hazy on marijuana. We put the survey out uh, a week ago and so far we've had 4,000 responses. The online survey asks members how comfortable they are with people smoking marijuana on a golf course. Early results show more than half of golfers under 35 plan to light up a joint on the links, with two-thirds of that age group viewing it as the same as drinking or smoking. I think you're going to see a divide in, uh, in anything, and, uh, and really what it points to is, you know, golf is a, uh, is a very traditional uh, game, but we're seeing a new demographic coming in. It's a different drive for players 55 and over, with fewer than 1 in 10 planning to smoke pot and just one-third seeing it the same as booze or cigarettes, both permitted on many BC golf courses. Now we have to look at uh, the whole question of etiquette and, uh, and modernize the rules of etiquette. Club cannabis rules will have to comply with municipal and provincial bylaws, which ban pot smoking in workplaces. Golf courses are going to have to find uh, an appropriate balance between the rights of the employees to have a smoke-free environment and the rights of the members, potentially, to use cannabis on the golf course. Mainly it's the smell. It bothers people. For now, this fairway is smoke-free. The survey results, which could shape change, will be out next month. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Well, the long wait is finally over for some of the thousands of drivers who normally rely on a major route through Vancouver. City crews removed the barricades along East First Avenue between Nanaimo and Rupert Streets this morning. That stretch had been closed to traffic since June for gas line work. Clark Drive to Nanaimo is set to reopen on Friday, once again connecting Highway 1 to the downtown core. 
Another mass shooting in the U.S. today. A gaming tournament hosted by Vancouver-based EA Sports at a popular entertainment complex in Jacksonville, Florida, ended in tragedy. Police say a gunman opened fire, leaving three people dead, including the suspect. And a warning, some of the audio in this story may be disturbing to some of you. Got a lot of good games going on. It's today. a lot. It's, it's gonna it's, be hard yeah. to get them on stream. It's, it's not a, a lot. Yeah, it's not a tough out today. Excuse me, not an easy out. Oh. A camera was rolling live on the Madden 19 tournament when the shots rang out. Nine other people were wounded by gunfire and are in stable condition. Two others were hurt while trying to get away from the shots. Police say the shooter, a 24-year-old man from Baltimore, died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. There are reports the shooter had lost a game at the tournament. The single suspect in this case is a white male, and this is pending confirmation, but we believe the suspect to be 24-year-old David Katz from Baltimore, Maryland, uh, and the FBI is assisting us with that uh, leg of the investigation in Baltimore. We have located an impound of the suspect's vehicle, and a search of that is, is pending, uh, but we believe he stayed somewhere locally last night. Uh, maybe at a hotel. And EA Sports tweeted statements about the shootings today saying we are aware of an incident at a sanctioned Madden Championship Series competition in Jacksonville. We are working with authorities to gather facts at this stage. Then later tweeted, this is a horrible situation and our deepest sympathies go out to all involved. Eight people in Chicago, including six children, have been killed in a fire. Firefighters say a woman coming home from work before dawn noticed the fire in her apartment building. She pounded on doors to wake people up. Two people were taken to hospital in critical condition. A firefighter was also injured. At least two buildings caught fire, including a coach house. No smoke detectors were found, and the cause of the fire is not yet known. We have not had this in many, many, many years. Uh, this amount of uh, fatalities and injuries in one location. So this is very unusual. So we are going to be talking to our firefighters and paramedics uh, to back up with what they saw in there. One of the uh, children is an infant. So uh, this is a very tragic incident. A stunning allegation has been leveled against Pope Francis, who has returned to the Vatican after his trip to Ireland, where he apologized for the church sex abuse scandal. A former Vatican archbishop is accusing the Pope of knowing about sexual assault allegations against a prominent cardinal in the U.S. and of helping to cover it up. This is a Pope under pressure. In Ireland today, begging forgiveness for the sexual abuse of children by priests and for the cover-up by the church's hierarchy. The crowd here, far smaller than the half a million organisers predicted. A difficult day began with a former Vatican ambassador to the US accusing the Pope of a cover-up and calling on him to quit. Archbishop Carlo Vigano says Francis knew about allegations of sexual abuse by American Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, but did nothing for five years until the Cardinal resigned last month. In a 7,000-word statement published on two Catholic news sites, Archbishop Vigano alleged corruption has reached the very top of the Church's hierarchy. The Pope, he said, must set a good example and resign. Vigano is an arch-critic of Francis. He offered no evidence. The Pope faced dissent too on Irish streets, 
an American victim of clerical abuse, says he failed to act. So a missed opportunity by the Pope. Totally missed opportunity, a completely missed opportunity. The Pope is leaving Ireland and these protests behind, but not this crisis, which is global and growing. Tonight on his plane, the Pope reacted to his former Vatican official. I won't say a single word about this statement, he said. The Pope, though, did confirm he'd read it. It is perhaps the most public challenge to his leadership yet, and from within. Hmm. Details have been released about the plans to honor the life of U.S. Senator John McCain, who died yesterday at the age of 81 after a long battle with cancer. The body of the senator is lying in state at the rotunda of both the Arizona and U.S. capitals, or will be so. A full-dress funeral at the National Cathedral in Washington will be held on Saturday. McCain requested former presidents and political opponents George W. Bush and Barack Obama deliver eulogies. Donald Trump is not invited to the funeral. McCain will be buried on the grounds of the U.S. Naval Academy next to his best friend from the class of 1958. A quirky makeover has made the game of chess a little tougher and a lot wetter. The World Dive Chess Championships took place in London yesterday, and while the rules remain the same, the playing environment is slightly different. Magnetic pieces and boards are used, but competitors can only play underwater in the big catch you can't come up for air until you make your move. After a long day, a worthy winner surfaced. I'm proud to be world champion at anything. And what a great thing diving chess is to be world champion is. It is completely bonkers, but first and foremost, it's fun. We're here to have lots of fun. And, um, you know, we're in, we're in Britain, we're in the United Kingdom. You, you know, we're free to do whatever we can. Extra points for costumes. Wow. Yeah, I love that, yeah, Chanel. You like the shark uh, helmet there. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if very many people were feeling underwater today, Yvonne. It was, uh, it was a little damp. <laughs> a little bit oh. damp. It was a little damp and a little cool. I've got a special guest with me. We're just in the live step arms at the Peony this evening. I've got Christy on the other side of me, and this is Fallum. So coming up shortly, we're going to talk more about the barns. If you're planning on coming down and checking them out, there's lots to do for the family uh, throughout the Peony. So Christy will have more details. Fallum's been great so far. Um, they're going to be actually having their show uh, coming up this evening. And the forecast, yes, we've had some showers today. It's been cooler, but there is a change on the way, especially for both our Monday, Tuesday temperatures are going to bump up. We'll talk more about the return for some heat uh, coming up very shortly. Beautiful. This is one of my favorite parts of the Peony are the horses, Colleen and Chanel. Me too, but why the long face? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> camera shy. Maybe he's camera shy. <laughs> Thanks, Yvonne. We will see you in a bit. She's got the best gig just horsing she around at the Peony. Does. You know? And eating all that food. Oh, oh my God. Oh, we'll see what she has great. today. I know. Uh, you know what? Um, it's been 45 years since the Canadian woman won, won on the uh, the National Open. Brooke Boom. Anderson, wow, what a, what a performance. Uh, she not only uh, won, she crushed the field today in Saskatchewan. And we'll show you uh, her final round, which was spectacular. Uh, emotional win for her as well. Uh, we'll explain why. Look back at the Whitecaps' uh, big come-from-behind win last night. And uh, look back at... A bad one for the Lions, uh, letting one get away, uh, dropping a three and six. Playoffs not looking good for them right now. So sad. 
Dozens of protesters wound their way around the Lokanagan Lake today, calling for more public beach access. More than 100 people showed up for a walk from City Park to Rotary Beach to highlight what they see as an ongoing problem. Organizers say over the years, sections of the lake have been built out and blocked from the public by waterfront property owners who are encroaching on public land. And then we come across rock walls, fences, some people have hedges going into the lake. I think it's pathetic. I mean, where do you, can you imagine West Point Gray in Vancouver if people tried blocking the beach? I mean, there, there's a path down there in other cities. Somehow in Kelowna, they've got away with it. Unfortunately, they you go to the bathroom here, they leave their needles here and all that stuff. And the province says, you clean it up. And we say, but you're allowing them here, so you should clean it up. And so everybody's doing one of those, right? So if I'm going to clean it up, then I'll try to prevent it from happening in the first place. Walk participants are also calling on the city to put pressure on the province to enforce the rules along the beach. The Dream Rally wound its way from Kelowna to Penticton today, giving dozens of kids with health challenges the opportunity to co-pilot an unforgettable joyride. Global's Kimberly Davidson reports. It's a lot of fun getting to drive in the car. The Okanagan Dream Car Rally is a lot of fun for those involved and for the entire community. Thousands hit up Kelowna's downtown core, which is blocked off to showcase over 200 of the hottest cars in the valley, from Lamborghinis to Porsches to Ferraris. It's perfect. <laughs> For the past three years, the August Family Foundation has been pulling together a fleet of volunteer drivers with beautiful cars to take special kids dealing with a variety of challenges for a ride to Penticton and back on a set of cool wheels. He's awesome. <laughs> And it's the smile on the kids' faces that keep these drivers coming back year after year. You know, because they love cars. Young, young kids love cars. Okay, I want you to fire it up. We're going to fire up just a chesty engine. And these kids aren't just passengers. They're co-pilots. I've never really been in a super fancy sports car before, so it's going to be pretty cool. Through sponsorships and private donations, the event is also a fundraiser for Ronald McDonald House. That was our home uh, for a year and a half. Uh, so uh, the money they raise here is incredibly important to people like us. And that's a lot of people. Last year, 30% of families staying at Ronald McDonald House were from the Okanagan. Organizers set a pretty lofty goal to raise $500,000 over the next three years. I'm just uh, beyond words. This is uh, the biggest year where we doubled the amount raised last year. Um, we're pushing $400,000. Everybody get going, let's go! And it's all excitement and anticipation as the kids and cars parade out of town for the ride of a lifetime. Kimberly Davidson, Global News, Kelowna. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Some of the sights and sounds of the PNE, which is where our Yvonne Shell is tonight, horsing around a little bit. 
I sure am. I'm at the Livestock Barns uh, with the Carlisle Clydes. I'll have more on them and what else you can check out here if you're planning on heading down to the Peony. With the forecast first, it was much cooler today. We had a few isolated showers, light in terms of precipitation, but it is going to clear out with the return for some sunshine. More in just a moment. Cloud cover right now, we can see that on the tower cam shot. Temperatures today only getting up to 18 below the average for this time of the year. That sits at 21 degrees. Cooler today for the interior with trail climbing up to 19, Kamloops at 15, and areas near Prince George today only up to 19 degrees. Air quality advisory in effect for the following areas that are in grey. It has been reissued for Metro Vancouver, Howe Sound, and the Fraser Valley included within that. We also have an on the fire danger rating at extreme still across the central half of the province. Southern interior, we're looking at high to moderate for most areas. Satellite and radar this evening, still seeing some instability. We've been tracking some thunderstorms working its way across the central interior. It's now dissipating, but we have seen it within the past hour to two, and that's been across Prince George, Quinnell, and Williams Lake. It'll be much calmer for tomorrow. We've had a northwesterly flow. A ridge is going to start to build in. What we'll see is the return for sunshine, drier conditions, and temperatures are going to climb up. For example, in the Thompson Okanagan, the peak of the temperatures will get back closer to seasonal for Tuesday up to 26 and then moderate again back down to 22 for Wednesday, Thursday, but it is going to warm up once again and still seeing that widespread smoke for interior sections. The piece tomorrow, 16, gusty winds at times, up to 50 kilometers per hour. White horse tomorrow, mainly cloudy, a dry one, then a chance of showers developing late day on Tuesday. Coastal sections, it'll be windy, especially if you're near the water, up to 17, remaining dry. Showers pushing in Tuesday, Wednesday. Caribou and central interior, up to 19 degrees. We've got a chance of showers Tuesday, Wednesday. Columbia and Kootenai region, a dry one tomorrow, but still seeing smoke up to 22. Thompson Okanagan will be up to 20 degrees for tomorrow. Most areas near Whistler will see fog for the morning hours. It'll dissipate. Sunshine for the afternoon, even warmer on Tuesday up to 25. And along the island and the south coast, we've got fog for the morning hours, dissipating some sunny breaks. The nicest day days out of the bunch across Metro Vancouver will be our Monday, Tuesday. It warms up once again, especially for our Wednesday, or Tuesday rather, where it's areas away from the water, closer to 24 degrees. And then on Wednesday, we'll start to see a bit of a transi transition. All right, we're down here at the Livestock. I'm joined by Christy. It's so nice to see you again Hello. this year. Uh, first off, let's introduce the big guest, which is Fallon this evening, and about the, uh, talk a little bit more about the Clydes. Right, we've got Carla Clydes. They are here from Cranbrook, and they are pre-showing the 1 o'clock and 7 o'clock Nights of Valor shows in the Agrodome for the rest of the fair. Excellent. They're beautiful, and there's lots to see and do. What's new or popular if you're planning on coming down to, to the Livestock Barns this year? I would say a lot of the popular stuff is the BC Dairy uh, milking demonstrations, the BC Egg Meat, uh, the Egg Farmer is an amazing exhibit, plus the hundreds of animals, everything from baby chicks to bison, which are just behind us. There's such a variety here um, to, to meet and interact with and then also learn a little bit about where your food comes from. And tell us about how many animals are here over the next three weeks. Uh, I think we've probably got about... 400, four to 500 that move in and out. So at any any given time, we have probably about 200 animals on site, but we have a lot that move in and out as well throughout the three weeks. Excellent. Christy, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's one of your favorite animals here at the Livestock Barns? Well, I was a 4-H horse girl, so I would have to say that these guys are definitely ranking up there. And then the, the Carlas let me drive these guys every once in a while during a fair. So probably this guy right here. Awesome. And uh, what time is the, are the barns open every day here at the Peony? They are open from 11 a.m. until 10 p.m. 
Well, thank you so much, and thank you very much, Fallon. Christy, as we had mentioned, you can check the, the, the barn out all the way until 10 p.m. every night, and they open once again tomorrow at 11 a.m. Actually, tomorrow the peonies close for Monday, and then things will kick back again on Tuesday. Back to you. Best place at the fair. Thanks, Yvonne. The entertainment world is mourning the passing of screenwriter and Tony Award-winning playwright Neil Simon. The master of comedy behind The Odd Couple and Barefoot in the Park died this morning at the age of 91 due to complications from pneumonia. Simon's work transcended the Broadway stage to film and the small screen with his unique way with words and humor. The nation's without a doubt leading comedic playwright. Would you welcome Neil Simon? They called him the patron saint of laughter. He was Jewish, of course, that was the joke, but Neil Simon still blessed Broadway and the big screen with more than 30 plays and movies, earning more Oscar and Tony nominations than any other writer. I just hope that what I find funny, the rest of America would find funny. Simon started in the 1950s writing for Sid Caesar's Your Show of Shows, alongside legends like Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks. Simon did more than just define Broadway. He redefined comedy, pointing his satire at the ordinary and everyday. I think of a story, I think of characters, mostly. Um, the dialogue comes last, the dialogue surprises me. Dissecting difficult relationships in movies like 1967's Barefoot in the Park, the stage version first brought Simon fame. If the honeymoon doesn't work out, let's not get divorced. Let's kill each other. And The Odd Couple, which later became a hit film and TV show, introducing the world to a now beloved stock character, the urban neurotic. I got this sinus condition. It's a change in temperature. I always get it from air conditioning. Maybe it'll go away. No. Leaving a legacy that still keeps us laughing. Simon was the rare living writer to lend his name to a Broadway theater, and now stands as a monument to a man who really built the Broadway that we know today. So, Chanel, I'm thinking um, Brooke Henderson had an advantage over some of the other players from other countries because, <laughs> as a Canadian, she knew how to deal with the Regina mosquitoes. Probably. Well, I mean, it was pouring there today oh. on the weekend, so maybe it was the rain that she, uh, she was handle. able to handle. Yeah, thanks, uh, Colleen. Yeah, it took 45 years, but the drought is finally over. Brooke Henderson did something no Canadian golfer has done since 1973 win the National Women's Open. Henderson may already be the best golfer this country has ever produced. She has seven tour wins, and she doesn't turn 21 for another couple of weeks. It was an emotional victory for Henderson as her grandfather passed away earlier this summer after a battle uh, with cancer. All right, uh, family very important. Her big sister, Brittany, been Brooks' caddy since she turned pro. She led by one, got off to a fast start on the first as birdie putt gets her to minus 15. She would bogey the second, then on five, she would get it right back. Yes, they are. And, uh, you know, if you're not Makes no mistake, back to minus 15. On the sixth, Henderson dialed in. Her approach shot sticks it within a couple of feet. She would make birdie there to get to minus 16. She would give it back on seven, but on eight, Gets it right back with this long putt. Oh. Look at that. Three and a half. A three-shot lead, two under on the front nine, and Henderson was just warming up. Goes on a tear on the back nine. This is on 13. She birdied 12, so makes birdie on 13. 14, a chance for an eagle. She almost gets this to drop. Just misses it by millimeters. 
She would make birdie, three straight birdies on 15, par three. Her tee shot, a thing of beauty, just like her game on her final round. Inside five feet, four straight birdies to get to 20 under. No messing with Brooke today on 18, her second shot. Rolls to within what a beauty. 10 feet. And then this, the special walk-up 18. Canadian fans showing their appreciation as she is about to do something special. A birdie putt to win it. She finishes 21 under par, 7 under for the day. She wins the 2018 Canadian Women's Open, an emotional victory in her native land. Certainly the one you've dreamt about the longest. Does the reality live up to the dream? Uh, it's amazing. Uh, just surreal. You know, the crowds here have been so amazing all week, and to finish it off like the way I did is really a dream come true. Has to be the more, one of the more emotional wins of your career, not only because what this tournament represents to you, your family, and your country, but also with what your family has been through this year. Yeah, for sure. It's been a really tough year, so to get this for my family and just for whole Canada, I'm really happy. <laughs> Sorry. Congratulations. Congrats to Brooke. All right, another Canadian golfer trying to make headlines today. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin playing in the Northern Trust FedEx Cup playoffs. He finished one under in the final round, minus 10 for the weekend. Good enough for a tie for 11th. Earned himself almost $200,000. He will play next week in the second tournament of the Cup playoffs. Unfortunately, no golf highlights for Hadwin. Bryson DeChambeau began with a four-shot lead. It would be tough to catch. He would birdie the first two holes, essentially pulling away early. Ryan Palmer with the shot of the day on three. The short wedge rolls it back for the eagle. He would finish tied for fifth at 12 under. The, you know, the one thing that we know about golf, the golf gods sometimes taketh, like here for Patrick Reed, hits the flagpole and goes into the bunker, but sometimes they giveth as he comes right back to make par there. Tiger Woods, he would finish tied for 40th. He was one under today. He would birdie on 14 there. Tony Finau trying to catch DeChambeau. Three back. That's bad. He shot a three under. Still finished uh, four shots back of this guy. On 13, DeChambeau from just outside puts it within birdie distance. He would make birdie. Now, Hadwin did not get TV time on the golf course, but look at him on the far right green shirt. Walks off the tee box, but he hands this kid a ball. And this kid just loses it. Probably the most exciting thing that's happened to him all year. Look at him. He's pumped. Jashambeau is also pumped as he cruises to the victory. Second round of the FedEx Cup playoff goes next week. TPC Boston, the Dell Technologies Championship. And away we go here at Spa. Hamilton gets away well. Perez as well, covering his teammate. Hamilton moves over to cover on Sebastian Vettel. And there's looking up in a crack. Yo, a rough start at the Belgian Grand Prix this morning. Fernando Alonso goes airborne after being rammed from behind by Nico Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg gets the brakes on way too late. Heading into the corner sends Alonso flying into an over-the-top of uh, Charles Leclerc. Fortunately, nobody seriously injured. A wild start to this race. Sebastian Vettel in the red there would go on to win the race. Lewis Hamilton second. Canada's Lance Stroll would finish 13th.
Be a hero for people with Parkinson's at the Parkinson's Superwalk. Join fellow British Columbians in over 20 communities walk together to help give hope to the 13,000 people in BC living with Parkinson's disease. Events starting weekend of September 8th and 9th. Join Global BC and CKNW at the fair at the PE. Take a picture at the Global News Desk and record your own newscast at the CKNW tent. We're right next to the PE Prize Home. For our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Our BC is brought to you by Alpine Credits. Own your own home and need a loan? Get approved in less than 24 hours at alpinecredits.ca. Welcome back, everyone. It may be the mid-season point for the uh, Lions, but you'd have to think Wally Buono is close to hitting the panic button. The Lions desperately needed a win to get back into the playoff race in the West last night. Instead, they've fallen further back. BC sits two games behind the Riders for fourth, and even that may not get the Leos into the postseason. Last night uh, can be called a missed opportunity as the Lions had chances, but let another one slip away. And five, last three possessions last week all ended in turnovers. Pressure here, and Kevin Elliott oh, drops baby. the football. You kind of had the feeling early on things may not go the Lions' way. First two possessions, two drop balls that should have extended the drives. Instead, BC came away with just a field goal. Same thing after this kick return as Chris Rainey goes 74 yards into Saskatchewan territory, but the Lions would have to settle yet again for a tie-long field goal. I'm sick right now. Uh, too many opportunities we left out there on the field. Um, our first loss at home, it's just things that are fixable and things that are avoidable and we're just, we, we keep shooting ourselves in the foot and it's just, it's disappointing. But you have to hand it to the Riders. The defense was in Lule's grill, forcing a turnover that would lead to a touchdown. Now BC would answer back before the half. Brian Burnham touchdown would cut the lead to just two. It's a disappointed locker room right now. Um, you know, we, we knew, you know, we knew everything about going into this game. I think uh, the mindset was right. The, the urgency, I think, uh, we talked about was good. The execution didn't match it. Second half, more of the same as the Lions offense would have some productive drives only to have them stall. And with under five minutes to play, the defense coming up huge. Anthony Orange with an interception setting up BC at midfield. But once again, the offense would sputter, going two and out. Well, they got the in and he will surge well, I don't know. I don't think so. And with a chance to move into field goal range to tie things up, a third and one gamble doesn't pay off. We thought that it's third and one. It's, it's going to be easy. We're going to pick it up. We're thinking about the next down. And they're thinking about ending the game right then and there. And uh, that's what they did. With the ball in our hands, feeling pretty good that we were going to at least give ourselves a field goal opportunity to play for overtime. And um, yeah, I mean, you just come up a couple inches short. And I mean, if, if you're not disappointed and heartbroken after that, you don't care enough. All right, the Whitecaps had a better night than the Lions as they essentially came back from the dead to stun the earthquakes. It uh, may have been the most important victory of the season as Vancouver is back in the playoff mix right now. Uh, the Caps are tied for sixth with Portland, but the Timbers do have three games in hand. Earthquakes, the worst team in MLS. Three wins, 24 starts. That's not good, but they got off to a fast start, seventh minute. Jameer Hika blasted in from just outside of the box. They would make it 2-0 on a penalty 10 minutes later. Second half, the Whitecaps would wake up off the free kick. Jordy Rainia, his shot would get through. Andrew Tarbell can't get enough on it. 2-1 two, San Jose. Two minutes after that, the Caps would tie it. Kai Kamara sends Christian Teixeira 
who has the finish. The Caps have never lost when Teixeira scores or assists in a game. That ties it up at 2. 68th minute. Can you believe this? Rania gets behind the defense, finds Kamara. The Caps score three goals in under nine minutes. Vancouver with a huge three points on the road. Same teams meet at BC Place next Saturday. Eden Hazard and Chelsea visiting Newcastle. EPL action. Marcos Alonso fouled in the box late in the second half. And here's Hazard makes it 1-0 Chelsea. Now, despite being outplayed badly, Newcastle would draw even DeAndre Yedlin with an elbow on Olivier Giroud. And then it leads to a goal by Joselu. Giroud was not happy. The goal stands. Game tied at one. But Chelsea would get the last laugh in the 86th minute off the free kick. Alonso's shot off Yedlin. And in the dreaded own goal as he directs it into his own net. Chelsea wins a perfect 3-0 to start the campaign. Watford 2-0 taking on Crystal Palace. Scoreless in the first 53rd minute. Roberto Pereira top of the box with a brilliant strike. Nice moves as he beats the defender and then the right footer curls it into the far post. 1-0 Watford, 71st minute. Jose Hobas outside of the box. Watch this. He just lofts it. I'm thinking he wanted a cross, but it goes far post once again. 2-1 is their final. Watford tied with Liverpool and Chelsea atop the Premiership table. Jays versus the Phillies. Kendris Morales, six straight games with a home run. You can make that seven as he cranks one in the third inning. He, he's the seventh player in Major League history with a home run streak of at least seven games. Ken Griffey Jr. and Don Mattingly share the record with eight dingers in eight straight games. The Jays would lose 8-3 to the Phillies. Finally, last night, game four of the Minto Cup. Brampton taking on Coquitlam. In Calgary, early first, the Adonacs go up 3-0. John Hofseth, they would make it 4-0 when Denham Armstrong scores here. Now, Brampton would actually be down by 5. They would come all the way back to tie it at 8, forcing overtime. But in the end, the Coquitlam Adonacs are your 2018 Minto Cup champions. Last Minto Cup was... Our last Mental, Mental Cup win was back in 2016. So congrats hmm. to that organization for winning a very controversial uh, week with the Mental Cup situation. Good for them. Okay, this is from the Only in <laughs> Vancouver file. Locals and visitors now have a chance to communicate with their favorite oh trees. <laughs> 30 trees in West Point Gray, Jericho Beach area have been tagged with an ID number, email address, and an invitation to send a personal message to the tree. An artist in residence, an historian, horticulturalist, poet, and an indigenous herbalist will all be responding to emails on behalf of the trees. Of course. The Park Board launched the interactive project after learning a tree mapping initiative in Melbourne, Australia, saw people send personal notes to the trees. Yeah, and I'd have to think hard and careful about what I want to say to my favorite tree, if I can find a favorite tree. So I'd have to look at the trees. But now that you've brought it up, I'll start looking for the red tags. Right. Uh, I don't think I'd be sending a tree a letter, but uh, what's the purpose of it? Uh, what do you think? I love that. <laughs> what would you send your, your favorite tree? What would I tell my favorite tree? How pretty it is. 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> oh, yeah. what we would need, you say? We need to send notes to our favorite people, yeah. too. That might be it. one of my favorite people, Yvonne. Yeah, where is Especially she? when she's challenging. Oh, look at her. What you got? Smell a vision. Smell a vision, guys. This is definitely for sharing. Uh, this is from Henry's uh, Chicken Barbecue. They've got the half chicken, and these are actually chicken um, sliders. Uh, Cold chicken sliders, thank you. And I need to take a bite real quick as I throw back to you guys, but this smells good. Mm, that nice. is very good, and I'm not good just night, saying everybody. that. <laughs> See ya. Night, Yvonne. <laughs>